0: Welcome, everyone, back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports
1: Network here in 2022. Holy cow. It's 2022. That's not the way you usually end that, David. No, Woods. no um, I gave you some extra words. There were some words there. I was expecting, and you sort of just kind of ended abruptly. Where you do that, you interview someone sometimes. They just interview, they just end a sentence sort of abruptly. You're like, "Are you done? I'm not yeah, sure." Yeah, but that's not someone.
0: That's always a 16 year old high school recruit. <laughs> they never Fair give point. you. They never give you what you need. They never give you a like a reasonable end to a sentence. It's just like, "Oh, I'm supposed to ask something
1: else now." Right. Exactly. But anyway, I'm Ryan Abraham uh, from USCFootball.com, the USC site. On the 24-7 Sports Network, and together we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. I, I've taped all the bowl games, Dave, so I'm going to watch them later. We'll still recap them, but <laughs> I assume the Pac-12 did well. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah no, I, I would think um, uh, probably at least a few wins in there, right? There were,
0: five, I would think. there were five Pac-12 bowl games. There had to have been at least a few. Yeah, th- This you is know, the you, Conference of Champions.
1: Because 2020... Uh, the Pac-12 didn't win any bowl games. So I assume in 2021, that's been rectified. Yeah, you know, come on, that's all luck,
0: it. right? That's just pure variance. Of course, yeah. like I would I would even guess probably they won four of the five, right?
1: I, I assume so. I'm going to look I'll look it up here real quick when we get to that. But uh, until then, uh, I want to let everyone know how you can get a hold of us. You can email us, Pac-12 podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call or text us at 424 678 over on the Twitter's at Pac-12 Podcast is where we be. Uh, Pac12podcast.com is the website with all of our old shows. And over at Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions to discuss what's going on with the Pac-12, those four out of five wins, we assume. Uh, you can do all that over on the Reddit channel. And then if you have Apple Podcast, uh, the app on your iPhone or your iPad or wherever, please follow the podcast of champions and rate us with five stars. Write anything up there. And, you know, we usually read some of these things Uh, I don't know if we're going to be doing that all the time, but we'll do some of it. I don't know if we have any new ones, David. Uh, We We have zero
0: new ones. I would say I would describe our listener base as lackluster at best. Uh, I would say that they have gotten lazy. They've gotten fat and happy.
1: (laughs) um, And I think we need to whip them back into shape. We have to do that. So get in there and uh, leave us five stars. Say something funny uh, about us. It could be positive better if hopefully, it's negative. Hopefully negative. Yeah, hopefully negative. And uh, we would love to read it on the air. You could tell us how dumb we are, how ugly we are, how we don't know anything about football. We shouldn't have a podcast. Any of those things, if you leave us five stars, we will read them. And we would probably agree with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, we'll get to the Bulls in a minute. So I, I still got to pull it up on the, the Google and see uh, how the Pac-12 did. And we'll let everyone know. We don't have any spoilers or anything or anything. But we've heard uh, a couple of times from uh, the commissioner, uh, George Kleyopkov, uh, he did a, uh, story with the LA times. And, um, I guess, well, maybe this is sort of a spoiler cause he didn't really talk about, <laughs> he talked about how poorly the back 12 did. Obviously. oh uh, Let Levin me just won. look it up really quick. Cause all right, i <laughs> see what the record was. All right. Hang on. All right.
0: Oh, okay. All right. They didn't win that one, but they probably won. Oh no, not that one either. Okay. All right. Well then they probably won the last. No.
1: Wow. Oh, wow. Um, I bet you the Rose Bowl. Bowl, Ohio State had a whole bunch of opt-outs, so I assume Utah won the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Like, look at the third quarter.
0: Unless Central Michigan uh, got (laughs) added to the (laughs) Pac-12
1: due to COVID things, we're looking at another 0-5 here. Yikes. Um, But George Kleyopkoff talked about that and uh, the reinvestment or the investment, maybe not reinvestment, investment into football, uh, how he's – been discussing that with all of the the Pac-12 programs where you're not necessarily neglecting uh, Olympic sports, but you can make the Olympic sports better if you refocus resources on football. Uh, He didn't seem very happy with the uh, postseason performance, and I think he brought up, at least in the LA Times article, about uh, the worst overall percentage as far as out-of-conference games since 1983. I think it was 9-23 and against the FBS programs, and that started off with A huge win over Ohio State by Oregon and obviously UCLA's win over LSU. Some promising uh, developments early on in the out-of-conference season. And there were some bad ones, too. Obviously, Montana, things like that, losing to a couple of FCS schools. But I would say, um, you know, overall, 9-23, that's pretty abysmal. The bowl game record, pretty abysmal. And it seemed like George Klafkoff was, you know, interested in, in solving that. But I don't know if you read any of those or saw some. I think he he went on with uh, John Gonzato this week also. But, uh, you know, he seemed pretty frustrated, which a lot of pac fans are, too.
0: Yeah, I think this year in particular was awful um, in a way that, like, we had talked about, you know, other years being particularly bad. But this one actually was like it actually was tremendously bad. Um, it was – so SRS, that that handy little historical statistic I've talked to you about that you were using for USC, it also does it for conferences. And if you go back, aside from 2020, which is really not a fair um, rating because there wasn't really a non-conference season, um, if you go back, this year's rating for the Pac-12 is the lowest since it was not the Pac-12 but the Association of Western Universities back in – 1961. Wow. This is the worst the Pac-12 has been since then. Um, so it's this is the uh, absolute low point. So he's coming in at um, the best and or worst possible time to be the guy who fixes things, because I can imagine this being galvanizing for him. Um, but it is the the absolute low, low, low point. Like this truly was a horrible season for the Pac-12. In a way that, like, people were exaggerating that about 2019, 2018, 2017, just because there wasn't a playoff team. Um, Those weren't good years, but they weren't this. Uh, This was horrible. Absolutely the worst year, probably, if you're being,
1: like, real, the worst year ever for the Pac-12. Crazy um, how bad it is. And, you know, I guess there's no place to go but up. Uh, maybe that's a positive for George Kliavkoff, but yeah, it's probably not going to be this bad again. There was like some like very
0: specific factors at play, like a lot of talk going into the season about like the lack of experienced quarterbacking in the league. Um, like there was some like legitimate soft factors that played into it, and there have been some coaching changes that you have to feel pretty good about riding the ship at some of these programs that were pretty bad this year, like Washington and USC, both took massive steps back uh, that weren't necessarily expected um and both of those you know they've got new head coaches now um so you can reasonably expect them to be better next year and then potentially really good again within a couple of years um, so there's some soft stuff that's already going to change but um the, the trajectory of the league is not good since 2013 um, it is on a a downward path um, and yeah i don't think it can continue too much further beyond what it did this year um, but still there's there's some Larger, bigger picture things that need to, you know, be focused on from the commissioner's office. I won't say solved because I don't think a lot of this can be solved at the uh, commissioner level. Um, A lot of it is just like simple demographic stuff that's actually never going to be solved. Um, But there is some stuff that they can start doing, um,
1: things they can influence in terms of scheduling that may or may not fix some elements of this. Yeah, he's talked about that, you know, trying to get to the eight game conference schedule as early as possible, but pretty much need the big big 10 to do that otherwise it's going to be hard to fill the entire, um, you know, inventory, I guess, of, uh, out of conference games, BYU joining a conference doesn't really help because that's fewer games that, you know, five games this year, I think it's five in 2022 as well. And if you think about it, man, that Ohio state win by Oregon sort of carried the conference for like two months, right? Yeah. Like, that kept Oregon in the top, you know, even, you know, in the top three or whatever, uh, until the loss of Stanford, but still, you know, there was optimism. There was just a, you know, stub your toe sort of thing until Oregon fell apart late and got crushed by Utah. But man, that, that one win just, it was like the life preserver for the the pac 12. Well,
0: it was, it was disguising a lot of things, not just about the league, but about Oregon itself, because Oregon, if you were following along like the advanced stats ratings for Oregon, They were never a top 10 team ever, and they shouldn't have been considered one Um, like the way they were playing games and winning games was a lot of by the skin of their teeth. Um, And it it wasn't a dominant team by any stretch of the imagination. So they caught Ohio State, I think, on a bad Ohio State day, and they played their absolute best game on that day. And they won by seven, I think. Um, So I think it was it was it was something that disguised things and maybe it would have continued to disguise things. If they'd been able to hold on or even if Utah had beaten Ohio State, maybe the Pac-12 could have said, well, our two best teams were better than, you know, one of the top five teams in the country, probably in Ohio State. So that's that's something to hang our hat on. But they couldn't say that after Utah lost that game.
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay. so. We have to, uh, we can either shut down the podcast or we're just going to keep trudging on and say, okay, it's going to get I, better. I, from I think here. we
0: committed, we committed early on in the history of this podcast to continue doing it even if the Pac 12 folded. So okay. I think, I think we're not quite there yet. So we got to keep soldiering on.
1: We're close to folding. Like the, the Pac 12 is close to just imploding, right? Like right. it's not the big, the Big 12 is looking better, which is bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, we will continue this even after it becomes lacrosse only.
1: Yeah. Do you remember, um, Early, you know, this is months ago. Uh Arizona State, there's a lot of optimism going into the season. Things sort of fell apart. Uh, it was this NCAA investigation that and I forget the term Herm used, Herm Edwards used. It wasn't an investigation, it was like a an internal review, something like that. Something a like a review. A review. Yeah, review. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh uh yesterday our buddy Chris Cartman posted um that he expects Arizona State to self-impose uh he calls them limitations this year. So we would use the word sanctions usually. Um, and he gave some examples. He said some of the specific details may be difficult to obtain in the short term, but in anticipation of what Arizona State's likely facing in the form of looming level one football recruiting infractions, you should expect self-imposed sanctions to begin this year. So he said this is what he was hearing. Um, and he said some of these are are likely and all of them potentially happen, but uh a postseason bowl ban. Uh, if Arizona State does get to, you know, six or more wins, reduction in the number of days that ASU football coaches go on the road recruiting and contact periods, reductions of scholarships, uh, reductions of official visitors that USC, that a- USC, ASU could host, um, or some of the ones that he had mentioned. So, and he talked about doing this, making a stronger case for the NCAA. So basically you punish yourself and then, You know, it's it's more likely that the NCAA would say, okay, well, you punish yourself. That's enough. You know, Um,
0: the the obvious one that you do when you're facing uh, significant potential uh, imposition of outside sanctions, the obvious one. Fire your head coach. (laughs) Uh, Nope, that didn't happen. What are you doing, ASU? Mm, Yeah. Like, what about the Herm Edwards era has got you pumped up enough that you want to stick with it?
1: Yeah. I mean, he talks about that. It says it would put more or most of repercussions for the recruiting wrongdoing doing on the existing staff as opposed to a new staff. So if they did hire someone, you know, they, I guess that's a, you know, you could say, Hey, we're going to fire the staff now. So maybe it's just a, a, a card you wait to play. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. I don't know. A whole lot of eight and five to be excited about, I guess.
1: Yeah, that was uh that was a weird one. Um, but and not good recruiting. I, it just seems like things are a mess right now. And you've sort of extended, there was a, you know, there was a problem hiring Herm. There was some good stuff that happened, you know, maybe better than we thought at the beginning, but it just didn't get a whole lot better. Uh, I was listening to um, the George Reister podcast, the, the apostles one. And and they had talked about, this was like the worst uh, passing offense that yes. Arizona state's had since like 1983 three or so it was like a long time um like they they hit a whole bunch of games where he didn't have a passing touchdown uh well that's J- the thing
0: Kidd. so like that's the thing is yeah it was not an embarrassment the way we might have thought it might be given you know, basically the what, what we know about herm edwards is that he was a meme um but it wasn't an embarrassment so i think that got us all like oh well maybe it, it'll be fine uh Jaden daniels has gotten worse every single year he's been at asu yeah. Do you remember how good he was as a freshman? Oh yeah. Weird. And now he's not good. He's bad. He's a bad quarterback. What yeah. happened? Why are you doing that? What's going on, ASU? I don't you know. You don't need. You don't need to keep this staff. Like I uh, Ray Anderson. Don't. This doesn't need to happen anymore. Don't well, do this he, to the fans.
1: Ray and and Herm are obviously tied at the hip. Um, they also was like the worst um, as penalty, as far as penalties go. Like the worst season like ever or something. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like what it was, it was bad. Uh, they, they beat one team with a winning record. That was UCLA and UCLA didn't beat any teams with a winning record. So like, that's sort of where this was the year, the year for the taking the Pac-12 South. And, uh, I mean, Utah came on at the end, but if Arizona state kind of played well throughout it, they could have, they could have, you know, been there. Uh, but they obviously were not. So we'll see if they do announce some self sanctions, but, um, Chris Cartman was reporting that. So I thought I would pass that along. Um, I mean, there's so many transfers happening. Uh is there anything that stands out to you, like assistant coaches, transfers, anything off the Well top one of, your of the
0: head? one of the craziest things that happened, uh, this is UCLA specific, but I think it's a it's an interesting insight into the the logistics of the portal. So Dylan Gabriel, uh the big time quarterback out of what was it, UCF? UCF, yeah. Yeah, UCF. Uh he committed to UCLA out of the transfer portal. Um after you know a sterling career at UCF and UCLA thought it had its post Dorian Thompson Robinson era you know ready to go right uh and then Caleb Williams from Oklahoma uh like a week ago announces he's going into the portal and literally within a day uh Dylan Gabriel says okay I'm going to Oklahoma
1: now (laughs) and it's just like it was like the day before he's going to enroll yeah. or something. And you right? know,
0: or, you know, I'm I was I'm, I'm big on uh, player freedom and guys being able to move wherever they want to, but not when it affects my enjoyment of the sport. And it's affecting my enjoyment of the sport right now. So I'm going to become an old stick in the mud and a very conservative-minded fellow and say no, 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 no. I stand a astri- I stand uh, astride the uh, tides of history and I say no, stop, no, no longer. It, uh, I mean-
1: there's a difference between like freedom and then like complete free agency chaos.
0: It is good. It is good, but it is the trade off. Um, the trade off is that you do, um, you don't really know where it's going to end up. Um, and it's, it's unlike free agency in that there's (laughs) still the structures in place are not signed contracts. Um, they're like grants and aid and stuff, which (laughs) provide more freedom than you even get in like NBA free agency. Because in the NBA free agency, you sign a contract, you're now bound by that contract. Um, but in this, you sign your grant and aid, and the school's bound, but you're not until you actually go to school. Um, so when it happens over you know, December, winter break, the whole thing, uh, it's like two weeks of, yeah, I'm, I'm securing my spot, but I'm going to keep my eyes open, which is great. I love that the players have this freedom, uh, but it does make things, um, I don't know, even more topsy-turvy in this than it feels like even regular recruiting is. its uh, It can be... Very interesting. And I think it's interesting because UCLA has put a lot of its eggs in the basket of transfer portal recruiting. I think under the understanding that these guys are more mature and they're less likely to do the like song and dance recruiting stuff. And then this happens to them with their quarterback.
1: Um, so important it's, it's,
0: position. Yeah, it's just interesting to, to watch that all play out. Um, so I think one of the biggest things uh, transfer portal wise that everyone's going to be watching is where Caleb Williams goes. I know that there was some speculation about USC. I know there's some ongoing speculation about UCLA potentially being a uh, destination. Um, I, 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 I firmly and wholeheartedly believe he's going SEC, but uh, we will see. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the transfer portal. It's going to be fun, I think, for the next month.
1: Yeah, some small school like I forget what it was, Eastern Michigan or something like off like some. Yeah, Charlie like Batch.
0: Off. Charlie Batch offered a million dollars from uh, his capital company.
1: A million dollars. Like, Hey, come to come here and play. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this could be crazy. He's maybe the biggest name to enter the transfer portal. Like, you know, he's up there. Uh, the biggest name this season, I would say. Um, so that's it. But we haven't even heard from Dorian Thompson Robinson, right? Like he could be back.
0: he's, He's still deciding. Um, The the three guys deciding for UCLA are are, uh, DTR. uh, The the three guys who really everyone should know and that matter are DTR, Charbonnet, and Sean Ryan, the left tackle. Um, They're still on the fence. So uh, obviously the deadline's looming. I think it's uh, not much more than a week away now. Um, So there's a lot that's going to shake out in the next couple of days.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, USC, same thing. They're going to have a bunch of roster turnover um Keaton Slovis is going to pit you know there's a couple names there but the uh we've heard that they could have up to like I don't know about UCLA levels but like you know 30 35 guys turned over on the roster so we'll see what Lincoln Riley can do but yeah there's I mean it's just every I try to retweet the good ones I see from the podcast of champions twitter feed but there's been so many like this guy's going here this guy's going there they hired this coach um there's a lot. There's a lot going on. So we'll, I think when, when this, this all kind of settles down, well, maybe we can do a deep dive on each program, like sort of an off-season thing.
0: Yeah, should we it? should do a transfer portal analysis, like who's leaving and who's coming in for everybody. Because I think yeah. it, it doesn't make sense to do it as much real-time, but like once we get a gauge of it, almost treating it like recruiting itself, where it's just, okay, how is the roster changing for each of these
1: teams? Maybe we can get the different pubs on to kind of go into it. That would be good. And, uh, I mean, yeah. So what's like school starts for everyone? I think UCLA is on a quarter system. So they just started, but for the semesters, like they'll start like next week. And once school starts, then there's going to be less, like you said, like you're going to be enrolled there, like transferring, uh, at that point. There's sort of like still the ongoing, uh, silly season. So, but, and you know, the ducks, uh, coaching wise, I think someone called it like the, the Show cause crew or something like that. Like, there's a bunch of guys like Tosh the Point, like people that have previously maybe there's been some recruiting uh discretions. Um, the Ducks have brought him in uh up there. So, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that.
0: No, not really. All right.
1: right, we'll see. Uh, it's still like I that's another thing too. Once there's still some things happen, we've seen coaches like USC and that, well, didn't announce, but a couple of coaches that USC look to be getting that they changed their Twitter profile and stuff. And then, Oh, they end up someplace else. So
0: that was the part I was going to bring up is like the way that that has happened at USC is something absurd. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Cause that's two coaches now who were hired by USC, who then moved on to different positions, the same basic position
1: at a different school. Yeah. Uh, there was one that was like a kind of promotion. This happened. Like Clay Helton did this. Like when USC hired Clay Helton to be come in and I was late. Lane Kiffin hired him. Like, he had pre like a month ago, took a job at Arkansas state. Um, and then, you know, you hire him away. So like you see this, it does happen, uh, where guys are, and, and these weren't announced coaches like Clayton was like announced in there. These were just like, they're, they're still like signing the contracts or still doing all that stuff. Usually it takes a while, the background checks and all that, but they at least changed their Twitter bios and you'd assumed, okay, so they're working for USC now. And, uh, and now they're not. So, um, yeah, so there's the, I mean, the coaching carousel, it wasn't just head coaches. There was assistant coaching, weird stuff going on too.
0: Yeah, very much so. But yeah, Uh, you know, Oregon, Oregon's recollect, uh, they're collecting all the, you know, Jim Mora's old staff again. So, uh, it's funny that Mario Cristobal didn't do that
1: since he is Jim Mora. Yeah. That's for you, Hifliday. That's for you, baby. Um, yeah, the strength and conditioning coach followed, uh, Yeah, the guy, the The curly mustache mustache guy. Why am I blanking on his name? Uh, He's going down in Because it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter. Because his name does not matter. Oh, but that guy, the curly mustache guy. His name is Aaron Feld, but yes, doesn't matter. He's uh, he's down in in. So we'll we'll try to. I think we can do that because there have been so much roster turnover, coaching turnover. Maybe we get you know each pub on for ten minutes and uh, talk about the different programs, things that was going on. Uh, I think that would be good kind of leading into spring football. That will take a little planning and work. So this will be on my shoulders. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like a job for me. (laughs) Yes. All right. Why don't we do our last 2021 Pac-12 roundup. And uh, go over these bowl games that apparently the Pac-12 did not do well in. Um, We talked about the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl earlier. um, And so next up. We have the Alamo ball that was uh, dealing with Oregon Ducks taking on the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah.
0: Um, what was my What was my uh, thing for the Sooners? Oh, you had a funny one. I, I guess. I guess. Well, I guess we're we got here first. Uh, I guess we I guess we got here early. <laughs> let's Let's go steal some land. Uh, Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain, uh, swept uh, Oregon off the field. Uh, this was a ugly ass game. Uh, Anthony Brown's final stat line does not necessarily do it justice. He was horrible. Uh, in this first half, especially, Oklahoma was up thirty to three at halftime. Ryan, wait, uh, like not 33 to thirty three 30. Oh,
1: to 30, 33 to thirty. That's close. Okay, thirty yeah.
0: to three. Oh. at halftime, it was bad. Uh, Oregon slapped on some uh, Junk time points but it was junk time the entire Second half Uh, Caleb Williams is really good whoever gets him Is going to be really happy Um, Oregon's defense didn't show up at all Uh, Oklahoma ran the ball all over him Um, It was kind of depressing to watch Uh, But Anthony Brown really not good Um, Again his stat line You look at it you're like oh 306 yards Three touchdowns only a pick He was bad he was really bad especially in that First half Um, and
1: defensively They couldn't do anything against Oklahoma uh really bad game. Not fun to watch. Yeah. No, um yeah, Oklahoma pretty much dominated this one. 8.1 yards per play. Like that's that's a lot. 560 total yards. Um yeah, you know, but they it just seemed like you had two teams that had interim coaches. Oklahoma had an advantage there with Bob Stoops as your interim coach. Um but Caleb Williams, I thought he looked uh really good. He did, you know, he didn't throw for as many yards as uh, Anthony Brown did. But, you know, they ran the ball for over 300 yards. Uh, and th- I think when you can do that, you can just control things. Now, the, the Ducks came out. I think they scored oh, three Oh, you touch. think
0: when you run the ball for over 300 yards, you can just control things? Yeah. Wow, thanks for your insight, Ryan. Yeah, it's... when you run the ball for over 300 yards, you're going to win. You're <laughs> going to win the football game. Find, uh, find me how many people have run for over 300 yards and have lost.
1: It's weird. this is a weird one though because there was only one turnover in the whole game, uh, the the one pick, uh, but it was such a you know commanding lead, and you just felt like Oklahoma at halftime didn't have to do much. They scored a couple touchdowns in the third quarter. Oregon scored three, I believe, and uh, not much going on in the fourth. It was just one of those games where you just cut out to this big lead, and then you're sort of like cruise the rest of the way. And you know, look at the final score, 47-32. Like, oh kind of close right like no it was not it was not close no not close though. um and uh who did you pick in this one don't worry about it no you picked oklahoma we did both I? picked oklahoma yeah it okay. was uh their favorite four and a half okay. and uh we got this one uh easily wrapped this one up so i was two and oh in the bowls at this point so i was feeling uh pretty good at myself okay yeah. uh next up we got the uh Vegas bowl with our favorites over there. Arizona State Sun Devils.
0: This was so Wisconsin Badger, 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 Snake, Snake. Um anyway. Uh Wisconsin won twenty to thirteen. It was simultaneously the most Wisconsin ass football game and the most Herm Edwards ass football game. Because Neither team did anything offensively, really. Like, it was not—this is—this <laughs> was is an unenjoyable football game, uh, which I'm going to be saying a lot, so just hold on to that. Okay. Um, it was unenjoyable, but also it was a one-score game. Uh, ASU had no business being in a one-score game against Wisconsin. Wisconsin was up 20-6 to at halftime. Felt like they had full control over the game, but it just kind of—oh, we don't really want to score anymore. ASU throws in a touchdown— uh, but just nothing happened. This was a miserable football game to watch. Jaden Daniels is is not good right now. Uh, he's got somebody needs to do something there because I am depressed watching Jaden Daniels play football right now.
1: Yeah, it's not uh, it's not fun. I don't have you know. Sometimes you watch a football game. You're, you're watching the Green Bay Packers. I know you don't like the NFL, but it's like third and. 11 and you're like okay well this is a punt you know if you like oh aaron Rodgers, like he'll find somebody and he's got a you know coin flip to make a first down here like i just didn't feel like i don't have the because you have confidence like he's going to do something he's going to make a play even if they get pressure he might escape the pocket and just find someone downfield like i don't feel like very confident at all in when i watch him like if things are going according to schedule and they're running the football or whatever and setting up and shorts, fine. But I don't feel confident in that he could just go back there and make a play. And that's I, – two years ago, I think I did. And I, I feel like you've lost confidence in what – his ability to go out there and make oh,
0: plays. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it seems like, you know, ASU may have. Because they punted the ball away on the Wisconsin side of the field with less than 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And you know what, Ryan? I got a little thing to tell you. Uh-huh. They never got the ball back. <laughs> Wisconsin drove the field 18 plays, 90 yards in almost 10 minutes of game time to ice the game at the end of which they didn't score. They were just like, no, we're good. We'll chill yeah. out here at the ASU eight.
1: A nine minute, 53 second drive, 90. Yard. I mean, it's insane. Incredible. Um, that's if you end it like that, like it's like the four minute drill, you know, times two and a half. You're like, okay. No, Wisconsin
0: um, definitely practices an eight minute drill.
1: Oh, they do. Yeah. This is like, that was the idea. That's just just how they play football. We didn't execute this quite right. Uh, We should have, you know, we should have had to go 90 yards. We should have been able to do this in 80. Um, You know, we got an extra first down there we didn't want. Uh, It was sort of a battle of attrition, too. I know there was opt-outs from Arizona State, Washington. I mean, Washington. Uh, Wisconsin had four starters out and they lost players during the game. And it just wasn't Vegas is great. This wasn't a great game to watch. And if you're gonna do there's styles of play, and sometimes you just do whatever you can do to disrupt what the other team's doing and don't let them play their style of play. And Arizona State was not able to do this. This was Washington, God, I keep saying Washington, Wisconsin's style of play the entire night. And just like you said, the way it ended, um, you know, fourteen half fourteen point halftime lead. ASU made it a little bit closer, but it wasn't, it wasn't that close. Uh, Wisconsin could have done a lot more, but they just did exactly what they had to do to sort of like boa constrictor ASU and they were helpless. There was just, there was just nothing. it was just like, you're watching, you're watching the life just drip out of your body and there's nothing you could do about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I got this one, right? So Wisconsin was favored by six, one by seven. I was getting a little worried there though, because they weren't, you know, they, they looked at. A one-point lead, I think they would have looked at it as insurmountable. They just weren't going to do anything else. But they had a seven-point lead, and they sort of uh, choked the life out of the game. So that's how that one ended. Uh, okay, next up, we, got, we get to use this one. Um, the Sun Bowl with Washington State Cougars.
0: Against the Central Michigan... What the hell are they? I don't know what they are. Central Michigan is the Chippewas? That sounds good. Yeah, that sounds about right. So is that another... yeah chippewa is just a native american correct yeah okay all right well good uh well we should know them because they beat washington state um so central michigan uh won 24 21 it was sort of you know the classic game of two halves central michigan uh jumped out to a 21 point lead in the first half washington state not looking good um jaden delora went out Victor Gabalos came in to play quarterback. Um, They made a big comeback in the second half. Um, They, you know, kind of the way their defense does, very opportunistically, um, forced some kind of weird stuff to happen. They got an interception. Uh, Central Michigan missed a couple of field goals. Um, There was an opportunity there for Washington State to come back and win the game, and they just couldn't quite put enough together offensively. Turned it over on downs a couple of times. Um and just didn't put enough drives together in the second half to win. Uh, they came back. They looked better in the second half than they did in the first half. Um, first half was just a lot of three and outs. A lot of three and outs for both teams. Again, I I don't mean to keep hammering the point. Not an enjoyable football game to watch.
1: Uh, Washington State scored zero points against Central Michigan in the first half. Zero. Like, how do you do that? Two hundred forty yards total. 18 rushing yards in this game, 3.7 yards per play. We talked about what Oklahoma did. Was it 8.1? This is 3.7, significantly worse. Sometimes you see a game, Dave, where, you know, a team might not be great on third down because they're just picking up eight yards on first down, six yards on second down. They just kind of move along. And, you know, that one time they punt, they did face a third down. Washington State was one of 16 on third down. And they also went for it five times on fourth down, got only one of those. So two of 21 on third and fourth down in this game. Obviously that's not going to go over very well. You mentioned they, they have been very opportunistic. Uh, they got two turnovers in this game. It was, they won the turnover battle two to one, but I mean, the way they were playing on offense, you would have needed to get five or six turnovers. Uh, It was a good comeback in the second half. Uh, central Michigan only, uh, scored a, a late field goal, um, in the fourth quarter, but, you know, being down, you know, 21, nothing at halftime. Like, I don't know what, you know, what are you going to do there? It just didn't seem like you were scrambling to get this game and you were gonna like, Hey, play anyone, play anywhere. Like, come on, let's, let's make this happen. You find an opponent. And did you just not care? I, I don't know. I'm not sure what happened here, but this was, this was a game controlled by central Michigan sort of hold on at the end uh, to win, but this is a bad, bad showing. For the pac twelve like this was this was a game you were more than a touchdown favorite uh we both tweet we didn't pick this on the, the show, but Dave tweeted that the line, so we just both picked Washington state like literally knowing nothing about central Michigan, and uh obviously we were way wrong way way wrong on this one, well, yeah, I mean, come on, you're talking about one of the best teams in the mac
0: let's let's not denigrate them more <laughs> uh
1: they were not they were, they were eight and four coming to this one, so I mean. But still, it's like it's Maction, uh, bad maxion for the Washington State Cougs. And we did use the uh, the meow, which we haven't used for quite a while uh, with Washington State. But this was a disappointing one. Um, yeah, absolutely. Very disappointing. And then the last one, uh, the granddaddy of them all. We've got the Rose Bowl and Utah Utes. Taking on the Ohio State
0: Buckeyes. Just a nut not yeah,
1: just, a, just a nut um in a protective case
0: yeah in a protective case of sorts um utah this was an actual good football game i would say the best football game i watched of bowl season very uh, good
1: football. very it was good
0: a really really good game tons of fun uh prompted you know some tweets like why do they play any games besides the rose bowl um ever like don't play any other football games at all but certainly not any other bowl games. Uh, this was awesome. Uh, both teams really came to play. Uh, I think all the bullshit uh, from game day, where Herb Street was like, "These guys don't love football anymore," or whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, this game kind of, I mean, just by itself, sort of disproves that theory. Like so many guys just leaving it all out there. Um, it was really just blow for blow. Uh, Utah came out just firing on all cylinders. Uh, Cam Rising looked great. Um, just doing everything. Um, Utah couldn't really run the ball very well early, but they were still trying. They made special teams plays. Britton Covey had a great touchdown. Uh, but Ohio state just kept firing back, kept firing back. CJ Stroud's incredible. Like some of the throws he was making, uh, were just nuts. And yeah, there were some blown coverages later on, but early on he was hitting guys like over the shoulder perfectly, like right in the exact spot it needed to be at the right time. Uh, some of the best quarterbacking I've seen all year. Um, There were late game heroics. Bryson Barnes has to come into the game. He's a walk on uh, and he throws himself just a beautiful touchdown. Um, And at that point, everyone's screaming, Kyle, you go for two. You do not kick the point after and it ends up not mattering, uh, but he should have gone for two. You you do not want to get into overtime against Ohio State with Bryson Barnes as your quarterback, but he played his butt off at the end. Micah Bernard was playing both ways for most of this game. He took a bunch of snaps at running back. Also, I, I didn't really see him go off the field at cornerback. Um, he got picked on a little bit. But frankly, watching him, I was like, he looks the part. I mean, he's not getting just blown away in coverage. Uh, he was right there most of the time, even when he was getting uh, caught on. Um, it was just a great game. Uh, it was a really fantastic game. And I think when you look at the like raw stats of it, Ohio State, Did win and should have won. Uh, But Utah played its butt off. It was great to see Britton Covey have a really, really big game in his last game. Um, And just, you know, it's a shame that uh, Utah couldn't pull it off and get the win. But I think if you're a Utah fan, you've got to be just absolutely ecstatic about the way the season went. Ecstatic about your showing in the Rose Bowl. And also, given what might return, ecstatic about the potential for next year.
1: Yeah, um, it's a heartbreaker, right? This was one that. I think Utah had four different, um, fourteen point leads. Um, this, you know, you know there was opt outs, uh, obviously, and you know some injuries and things for both sides. Ohio State, you weren't sure like what the motivation was going to be, but C.J. Stroud threw for fifteen thousand yards, something like that. It was I don't know the exact number in front of me, yeah, but it was 7, a lot. Yeah, seven thousand of which with which went to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yes, um, I was. It was funny because. He was like the third best right wide receiver on the team. The two best guys opt out. You know, like Olave is one of the best, uh, you know, in the country. And it's sort of was just like, okay, well, what if, if both those guys played? Could the passing offense been better? Because I I mean, how could the pos- passing offense have been any better than what it was? Maybe they were just spread it out a little bit more. Well, that's the part that I'm like, the people whining after the game about,
0: uh, well, Ohio State did this and they've had to play a close game, but it's because they had so many guys out. And I'm like, look. Utah played its like what former 3 star running back, uh, like 60 snaps at cornerback in this game. Yeah, you have a bunch of five star receivers who are like third or fourth in your depth chart. But yeah, when Smith or Harrison or Ibuka get pushed up there to uh, playing a bunch, you know what they look like? Five star receivers.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: they are that's who they are.
1: Instead of throwing it to three five star receivers, you threw it to one, but yeah. um, he had he set all kinds of records and uh, it was tough. This was a tough one uh, for the Utes because you you were in control and you had, um, what was it, that fourth and one um, play in the, you know, with the quarterback run and just go, you know, takes it to the house. Uh, Britton Covey with the kick return. I mean, like there was just so many cool plays by Utah and it seemed like, oh, here comes Ohio state and Utah would respond like time after time after time. Um, and you know, it's, it's just, it's tough. And then, you know, with the injury at the quarterback spot and you're like, okay, where, where are they going from here? Like you said, like, it looked like, uh Oh, Utah's done. And like, nope nope they're going to keep playing. Like, it doesn't matter. Throw the next guy in there. And here we go. And, uh, at the very end of the game, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, you know, Ohio state, Utah should have let Ohio state score to get the ball back. Uh, instead they let. Utah, I mean, they let Ohio State kind of run the clock out and kick a field goal, and then it's over.
0: Well, okay, um, so there was a lot of stupid. I want to break this down. Because, okay, let's go. Okay, sure, they should have let them score. They, the other team has a role in that, and Ohio State may have not wanted to score. But what about your timeouts? Yeah. Utah had three. Um, and, look, I understand that, like, the difference between uh, whatever, uh, five seconds and 19 seconds isn't that big of a deal. But with 26 seconds to go when it's first and 10 at the Utah 11, even though it only increases your chances infinitesimally, you have to start using all of your timeouts right then. Every play, use a timeout, use a timeout, use a timeout, so that when they kick the field goal, it's like 18 seconds left. Not whatever it ended up being, nine, whatever it was. Uh, Because then you can actually do a regular return and actually do a play and then do your Hail Mary or whatever it's going to be, a hook and ladder, whatever. But it does meaningfully increase their chances of victory. And if you wanted to use those timeouts earlier, maybe you could have improved your defense in those final, whatever, uh, what was it? It was like three, four straight plays where they ran for almost 10 yards. Um, maybe you can make an adjustment, make a switch, do something that's going to throw them off, uh, in addition to stopping the clock. But the, the timeout usage was, uh, non-existent. They didn't use any of them. They walked into the end of the game with three timeouts. um, then you also have Ryan Day going brain dumb. Why, dear God, are you kicking on second and one at the Utah 2? Run one more play and tell your running back. No matter what the hell you do, you fall down before that goal line. No matter what. But you're running another play. Because at worst, you're getting another three seconds off the clock and potentially preventing Utah from getting a kickoff return for a touchdown. Why the hell are you kicking that field goal with nine seconds to go? Makes
1: no sense. I Yeah, I don't get it either. Um, and it's disappointing because I could have covered this. Sp- <laughs> it didn't happen. They kicked the field goal. There, a lot of things could have happened where it just, you know, they score a touchdown there and the game's over. Uh, and Ohio State wins by seven and I go four and one in the bowls. But that, did, that wasn't meant to be. Uh, you had Utah on this one. Very Utah was winning most of the time, but you just felt like Ohio State, you know, given enough time, they were going to be able to overcome Utah and just getting stops. Utah just was having a really hard time getting stops and um, they let Ohio State kind of go all over the place. But I, so much fire Utah played with. Yeah, I don't like some of the end game stuff, not using any of those timeouts. Not. It
0: wasn't that big of a deal because it wouldn't have meaningfully changed anything. It was just annoying to watch a very good game by, And it wasn't just Whittingham. Ryan Day was being very stupid, too. That's kind of getting lost in the whole thing. But uh, see, the ball stops at 12 seconds to go on the Utah 2, right? They call timeout then. Just wait. You don't need to call timeout then or have your – whatever it was, have uh, your quarterback spike the ball with three seconds to go or whatever the hell it's going to be. But you don't need to call your timeout right then. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, that's – it's – This would have been at least like, hey, at least the Pac 12 on the Rose Bowl, you know? Um, It was sort of the worst of both worlds. They didn't, you know, Utah ends up covering and they still lost the game. But I,
0: I, whatever. It was, it was, I wanted Utah
1: to win this one. I mean, I wanted this, this would have been a nice little, okay, one and four in the bowl game as opposed to, um, you know, to 0 and 5 is bad. Uh, But yeah, that's, it's a tough one. You know, Cam Rising obviously was a complete, absolute stud and uh it's tough to see him go down. i don't know how serious the injury was i haven't seen a follow-up on that but um man that's a that is a tough one yeah um there's one game we didn't get to talk about uh so the holiday bowl which is always a a a fun a fun one and the ucla bruins that's because Uh,
0: ucla waited until four and a half hours before the game to decide to cancel it
1: where do you stand on this one? Cause like NC state so, coach was pissed. He was talking, you know, he was, so the NC was,
0: state coach is a big whiner and he should be uh, laughed at. Um, Here's the thing. I think, okay, it had to be canceled because of the positive tests and that's just the rules right now. Whatever. I mean, I'm not here to debate the COVID stuff. What I am here to say is, uh, I, was there another bowl game that was canceled with four hours to go? I don't think so. Whatever is going on, whatever it is, is the wrong thing. Whatever's going on with either UCLA or their decision making uh, you know uh, apparatus is wrong. Uh, whatever it is that resulted in that is wrong. Either you need to be much more conservative in your cancellations and just cancel it three days ahead of time, even when you have the requisite number of players because you know that this could happen. Or you have to be really, really proactive in your communication and you it was neither. So this cancellation either had to come earlier and you're just, you're very conservative and that's just who you are, or you have to be really, really transparent and commun- communicative about, Hey, we're really close to having to cancel. We're not there yet, but it could happen if we get a few more positive tests. So we need to let everyone know it, there's a really good chance this could happen. Um and so we want to let NC State know we wanted to let our fans know that just the nature of this beast that's what's going on and they didn't do that um you know there was reporting from like our site and a couple other uh, uh, uh outlets that um you know some guys were missing time but there wasn't even an indication given to us that there was a real chance that this was going to happen uh there was no preparation for it no uh so I completely understand NC State being kind of shocked by it. But also like fans being pissed off because it's one thing to have something pulled out from under you like, you know, oh, I thought I was going to go to San Diego and watch this bowl game. And it's another thing to do it when you've gotten a little bit of notice like, oh, I'm going to San Diego. I'm still going to try to go watch this bowl game. But, you know, I've heard that there's a real good chance that this could get canceled. Um, And yeah, anybody going into anything in the year of our Lord 2022 uh, and the end of 2021, understands that uh, COVID happens and this kind of stuff can happen. But it's just – it's the courtesy. It's the basic, like, you know, politeness. Uh, let people know what's going on because this has happened now with a, with a few different UCLA events. So I'm I'm less likely to give benefit of the doubt right now because they had a basketball game they canceled with, like, 45 minutes of notice.
1: Uh, oh, wow. people,
0: people were already on campus. People were already in the stadium and they canceled the game. Um, that kind of stuff can't be happening this deep into COVID just can't, you gotta, you've got to have a better apparatus, gotta have a better understanding of what's going on.
1: It's like the Antonio Brown stuff. Like, yeah, maybe like, you know, the, the, the bucks did something wrong or whatever, making him play with through an injury or whatever it was, but like your track record is, all right, I'm not giving you the benefit of doubt in this one. And if you're saying that this happened with UCLA a lot, it, to me, it just seemed like the communication was poor. It's communication. That's the main thing, because I'm
0: not even all about them being like super conservative and just canceling everything. But be be better about how you're talking to people about this. It cannot be any longer, oh, there were COVID protocols that prevented this. Like You've got to give first the TikTok. Like, it doesn't need to be names, but we got this many tests on this date. We got this many tests on this date. And it just happened very suddenly, if you're going to explain it away. But you've got to be more proactive. And frankly, if you didn't realize that this was a possibility, that's also a problem with your decision-making apparatus. It's not like this should spring on you suddenly. We saw defensive linemen dropping like flies last, the, the week before the bowl game. So if we can see that, it, we're, again, this deep into this very infectious disease. And right now, the variant that's going around is the most infectious version of this infectious disease. So with all that information, couldn't you just maybe project that it's going to infect more guys like that? A few. So if you're a few bodies away from no longer being able to play and it's a very infectious disease and you're a few bodies away on, say, the Monday before the game or the Sunday before the game, you might start thinking, okay, we got to have a contingency plan. We got to have an idea for what's going on going on here. And the most important thing to do in that situation is communicate because you've got Thousands of people traveling to this game spending a lot of money. You've got the other team that could potentially get San Diego State or just some like local friggin whatever. It could be an FCS team, but somebody to play in the Holiday Bowl. So the Holiday Bowl also doesn't get out a bunch of money. Um, And they just didn't do any of that.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything
0: else from
1: the recap? No, no. Uh,
0: Hmm. I don't want to talk about these bowl games anymore.
1: Okay. Let's. Uh, oh, I don't know if we've mentioned, but that we didn't know at the time Washington State and Miami. That was actually good, looked like it'd be a good game. Miami had to pull out early. It was cool that Washington State at least got an opponent, but it wasn't cool that they. You know,
0: know why that. they were allowed to get an opponent? Because they had time. They had oh yeah. Time. Because little... Miami pulled
1: out with enough time. Yeah. To let them do that. Yeah. They were they they uh, communicated well. They did. They it was a breakup, well. But you know, no, there was no hard feelings. Exactly. North Carolina State, there's some hard feelings there. Yeah, very hard feelings. Understandable. Okay, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and answer some questions.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: All right. We're back here on the podcast of champions. Stop uh, our, we got some regular uh, voicemailers in there. And do you remember why we talked about the Stanford fans? last We time? asked. Okay. So this is funny.
0: We asked okay. for every Stanford fan to email us and just say, I am a Stanford fan.
1: Okay. We
0: two got two wh- people, two people emailed in Howard. He
1: said, I'm a Stanford fan. A little tree uh, icon which was very cool. And then uh... Jeremy actually has a question. Oh, this is okay.
0: Stanford Jeremy. Greetings. I'm an avid Stanford football fan and regularly listen to the podcast of champions. Even though Stanford fans are regularly maligned on the podcast. Still, we endure. We remember when Andrew Luck was lighting up the competition. We remember when Christian McCaffrey and Bryce love were the most exciting athletes. The pac 12 was featuring verbal abuse. Cannot dampen our spirit. Stanford's recent decline is clearly a result of the early signing period. You can draw a straight line from the start of the early signing period in 2017 to the recent decline of Stanford football. Until recently, many Stanford football players wouldn't find out if they were even accepted until early January. It appears that David Shaw has rectified that situation based upon the recent stellar recruiting class. Things are turning around. What else would you expect from a coach with three Pac-12 titles? David and Ryan can now look forward to Stanford once again dominating UCLA and USC on the gridiron. The last few seasons must have been unsettling with UCLA-USC actually winning a couple. Don't worry. Normality is returning. All right now. Baby, it's all right now. Best regards, Jeremy.
1: I like it. That was
0: some real hope right there.
1: It was good. Um, I know there was only two Stanford fans, but still, Jeremy brought it. and I did like Howard's uh, tree icon which you can't see because this is a you know audio uh you know not a visual medium but uh what did you think about the early signing period stuff
0: um i mean it's it's a really long and convoluted way of spelling steroids but uh (laughs) yeah sure uh i would say um I could understand that being a somewhat of a problem for Stanford to navigate, but I, the kind of guy that Stanford's going to get, I don't know that they'd be too thrown off by having to wait until the late signing
1: period, frankly. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, even though Stanford was three and nine, Jeremy, they did beat USC this year. So, uh, when's over USC and Oregon? Oh yeah, Uh, baby. That's why you got to keep David Shaw around just like Chip Kelly. Got to keep him around, you know, putting 62 points up on your rival i'm not where are we at the the extension like is there it uh 10 years as far as we know know, nothing has been agreed upon or signed wow uh there was some talk even afterwards i know you might have got a little giddy that uh he could end up somewhere else or they could have a parting of ways or something
0: i would not i would not uh i would still not be shocked if something like that were to happen so i'm not gonna I'm not going to talk about it too much because I don't want to talk about it. It's like, um, you know, something you anticipate where you, if you talk about it too much, you're like, um, it's probably not going to happen now.
1: Yeah. Well, like Mel Tucker getting the 10 year, 95 million chip gets 10 years, 98 million. I think that's probably fair. We'll go somewhere in that. We'll see. Uh, okay. Let's go to her (laughs) her first voicemail. Hey, what's up guys? It's Perk. Um, I was kind of wanting to get your
0: thoughts on, um, the situation with players opting out in the bowl game, and not necessarily opting out, because I totally get why they're doing that. But on some of them not playing in the games, but still going to the games. Um, I think it was Kenny Pickett for Pitt that like sat up in the press box or one of the suites um, for the for the bowl game. I'm not I'm not sure. I just heard about that. Um, and then also I saw Chris Olave on the sidelines for Ohio State. And while I understand like not necessarily wanting to punish the player or make him feel bad. At the same time, though, I do think it is kind of awkward in the sense of like, you're just standing on the sidelines, not because you're injured, but because you're just choosing not to play. So I was wondering I don't know, if you guys had a take on that. Um, you know, not to sound like everybody's finger grandpa, but I don't know. It seemed, seemed, kind of like a weird situation over the bowl games. I uh, just wanted you guys thoughts. Uh, happy new year, guys. Thanks. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I don't. I, I haven't gotten excited about the opting out at all. Um, I don't really care. And I think that's kind of best handled internally within a team. Um, like if, if they're all supportive of Olave and the whole thing, then if they want him on the sideline with them, then what the hell? Why not? Um, conversely, if they don't, then I think it's, oh, yeah, whatever. They can decide, oh, this guy quit on us. So, no, he doesn't have a place out there. Uh, but the, the attitudes I've seen from players have been mostly uniformly supportive of their teammates who have opted out. Um, I think a lot of these guys, you got to understand a lot of these guys are, um, you know, they're big on their personal success and their ability to go play in the NFL. And I think the younger guys on some of these teams, they want to be in the position that Chris Olave is in at some point where they can make a decision about whether or not to opt out because they want to prepare for the NFL draft. So I think there's, um, your attitude as a fan or our attitudes of fans and observers is going to be very different from the guys on the sidelines. So I think if you're concerned about like it being uncomfortable for guys on the sideline to be like, you know, accompanied by somebody who's opting out, I don't, that's not the sense I get from players uh, about their feelings regarding opting out. If it's you who's uncomfortable watching it, I get that, but you know, whatever, there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of people on the sidelines who I'm uncomfortable being out there. Most of them are very rich.
1: Yeah. Um, Perk, perk, perk. I mean, does he want to be like the old man yelling in a cloud here? Apparently. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I feel the same way. Like, I agree with perk. Like, I am up for, you know, unlike David, I do like player mobility. I don't care if you committed <laughs> to one school and burned Chip Kelly in UCLA and now you're going to Oklahoma. Like, fine. That's fine. You know, the day of class is starting. Do what you want. Like, you're the player. You get one. You, you get one. You get a free one. Uh, if you transfer again, I think you got to sit out. And if you want to opt out, I have no problem with it. I The, the uh, Kirk Herbstreit comments, like, you know, I think he does a great job. I, I didn't really feel that went over well. But, you know, this is a guy that talks for hours on end constantly. You know, He does two games a week. You're going to say something dumb in that. And then sometimes you say something dumb and you're like, you know what, I'd like to take that back. I don't think he did a great job of taking it back. But I feel like this is a situation where if, um, you know, if someone opts out, and uh, I think it was Matt Corral. Like, so they're like, Oh, see Matt Corral got hurt and blah, blah, blah. I have no problem. If players want to opt out of the bowl game, I do have a problem with them being there. Like if you're going to go get ready for the draft, go get ready for the draft. Like don't like this was a privilege. You being around this team and you don't need to be here anymore. But I, I, and I don't think players are going to say, Hey, I don't want him there. But if you know, basic psychology classes are like, he's not here. He's not playing with us. I, I don't think, it's helpful. I think p- players aren't going to be like, oh, where's Pickett? You know, he, Why isn't he in the press box? Like, no. I, I'd rather them just like, hey, he's moved on, he's not on the team anymore, and he's somewhere else. And if I'm old man yelling at Cloud for that, I, I so be it. But opt out all you want. But once you do, I'd rather you not be around the program anymore because I do think it can be a distraction. Okay. Baby-brained yeah, old man. I'm an old, old white guy, just not even... Uh, caring uh okay we got one more uh well here I'll, I'll do a we'll do an email and then i'll go back to the next voicemail this is uh from salt lake city steven i realized i should have asked this last week but i didn't uh I'm, he said i shouldn't have asked this last week but i didn't i, realize I should have should i think it means he should have oh i'm sorry, should, sorry. <sighs> reading's hard should have asked uh last week Still relevant, Uh, in the December 17th episode, while talking about Colorado's recruiting class, Brandon Huffman said that Colorado's, quote, not the most fertile recruiting ground, I would say, in the Pac-12, only Oregon has less Division I players sign each year than the state of Colorado. He said starting at the 4028 timestamp. Go back and listen, Dave. Uh, Uh Is that accurate? I know. Uh, I don't even think you listened to the show at all because you weren't on that one. I'm not trying to be a dick and assume Huffman doesn't know what he's talking about. But considering the populations of the states in the Pac-12, it's pretty shocking to hear that Utah isn't at the bottom of the list. According to the 2020 census, Colorado has a population of 5.77 million, Oregon 4.24 million, Utah, though it's by far the smallest of the conference with 3.27 million. He says Utah is by far the smallest. Uh, with such a huge population advantage over Utah, do fewer Division I players really come from Oregon and Colorado? That's from Steven.
0: Uh, yeah, it is true, uh, or at least I'm pretty sure it is. Um, and the reason it is is because of demographics, not necessarily the pure numbers. Uh, a lot of the people in Utah uh, are more predisposed to be playing football, generally speaking. Um, so you've got a big Polynesian community in Utah. Um which is why you see a lot of uh, uh, Utah linemen dotting the um, uh, rosters for a lot of different Pac-12 programs. Um, So, yeah, you do see it. Um, It's just it's a function of uh, who actually lives in these states in addition to how many people live in these states. You know, California quantity has a quality all its own. Uh, Washington, Arizona, similar, Uh, but then the rest of it, you get into a little bit more who actually lives there. Um, And for Utah, I think that's a big part of it.
1: Yeah. Um, There's a, there were studies and stuff done. uh, When you look at, and you mentioned the Polynesian community. Um, If you were, if you grew up in, um, if you're like Samoan, you're 40 more likely, 40 times more likely to play in the NFL than if you were just uh, not Samoan. Like, they're the, the percentage the, the you know, Tonga, all the, the, the Polynesian islands, those countries, um, just a much, much per capita. Like the, there's the guys that are playing football at a much higher level and making it to the NFL. And I think that's a, a big part of the reason, uh, where you're seeing that in Utah, but just the culture, I mean, you're, there's more high school football going on, I think in Utah, um, than what you're seeing in Oregon and, and I politically, you know, there's, there's reasons why less California, you know, still a crap load of Californians are playing, but it's, it's going down, you know? Um, and I think states like Oregon, they're going down more where I don't feel like that's the case, uh, in, in a place like Utah. So, um, yeah, but that I think the cultures the you know, the, the, the demographics, I think all of that has a part to play in this.
0: Yeah. And, um, if you want to look, um, uh, Steven, uh, if you go onto 247's website, you can do, under football recruiting, there's a player search function uh, on whatever website you're looking through, whatever team site. And if you do the player search within that, you can filter by home state, so you can see how many recruits there are from from different states. And it's you know just doing a quick search myself, it's pretty obvious that Utah's got a lot more. Um, just eyeballing it. Um, so uh, welcome you to do that. Um, it's kind of an interesting little tool, and you can also see. The types of names that you see from different um, states.
1: Utah's a ton
0: of Polynesians.
1: Yeah, not as many John Smiths. Uh, in Utah, not so much. But,
0: well, there's, um, there's there's a fair amount of uh, of John Smith. In are, Utah. Yeah,
1: that's true. I guess that's a bad example. <laughs> yeah, come on, buddy. <laughs> uh, all right,
0: <laughs> this is from Frank in Sacramento. A giant has passed. No. Ooh, damn! We're getting some John Madden hate here. Mediocre announcer at best. Boom. Almost as obnoxious as Howard Cassell. Boom. He was a master of the obvious, sort of explaining what the hokey pokey was all about. He'd talk and then boom. He'd run out of things to say and blurt out Brett Favre. Boom. Frank Caliendo was much better and funnier at doing John Madden than he was himself. Frank in Sacramento. Holy crap.
1: This is a bad take. There was one guy on Twitter that wrote like about, I mean, he was basically complaining about like the NFL and it's like, why it's bad for society and all this stuff like it's like you were just like everyone loves this guy so you need to take the opposite and I feel like that's what Frank is doing here um and I forgot who the the writer was but then people went back and looked at his Twitter and he was talking about his fantasy football team and stuff it's like yeah you, you like football you're just saying that you don't like football and he perpetuated these blah 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 you know everyone loves John Madden and the way it happened where they released that um the, the documentary and he passes away a few days later. Uh, and I think it was Tom Rinaldi, Rinaldi who does a lot of, he used to do a lot of college football stuff with ESPN. And now he's doing NFL work for Fox. I believe he said they made 42 or 38 interview requests, you know, for the documentary and nobody said no. And you get a lot of no's when you're doing things like that. So I think that tells you all you need to know. I, I think there's a bad take. Um, sometimes you just want to be, you know, just go against the grain. You're swimming upstream on this one. But I, I think you're doing a bad job of it, Frank. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Frank. Bad take. Bad take. You don't even like the NFL. And like, Madden's just great. Like, yeah, no, I, you know, big fat guys talking about football. What's not to like? He he was funny. But Frank, Caliendo does. I mean, it, he became a better version of that because he was awesome when he was doing that. It's just so good. Uh, but lo- I love that. Like, love them. Everything you'd hear about him was good. Uh, you know, he's married to his wife for 60 something years. Like I, it's, I, you know, there's sometimes you find someone that's just not a lot. Is he a perfect person? I'm sure he's not, but you know, when you find someone like that, some people just want to tear him down. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, but, uh, sorry. I don't agree with you on that one, Frank. Here's a, uh, another voicemail for you. What's good guys. This is Evan from Tempe and, uh, I had a question of David about, um, so, uh, a while ago, he he had said that he doesn't think Oregon is good, uh, and he cited some advanced stats as to why, and uh, after watching them uh at the end of the season, these last few games, you know, you, you kind of realize why he was saying that, so, uh, obviously, those advanced stats are pretty good, so uh, I just want to know what advanced stats was Dave looking at uh that proved Oregon wasn't very good. Um, I know it seems like my last few calls have been kind of negative to Oregon, but, you know, I, I mean, I've called out my teams, too, you know, I'm negative to basically every team in this conference, it's not very good, so... uh I just I just simply want to know you know what, what advanced stats they've looking at because it seems like they kind of predicted this kind of thing to happen. Oh, uh, and then my next question is just uh, who did Ryan vote for for president? I believe he said he had a vote. So uh, thank you guys.
0: Thanks. Yeah, um, I look at a few uh, different ones, but um, they were all kind of in consensus. Um, so SP Plus is Bill Connolly's. It's just you don't really get to go under the hood with it, which is the drawback. But it does kind of give you an overview of where teams because it assesses dominance, not just your ability to, like, win games or not win games, but, like, how are you winning these games? Are you winning them by hook and by crook? Are you winning them by luck? Or are you really just out-and-out dominating teams? Um, And Oregon was rated pretty low in there. Um, I also look at um, uh, uh, points-per-drive as just kind of a general metric for understanding um, what teams are doing. Uh, So net points-per-drive can be a really good kind of just benchmark understanding of um because it controls for pace then um and so you can find that uh, the best and easiest place to find it is a website called bcf toys um it's Brian from Al's, um kind of just stat compendium uh but bcftoys.com um and you just go to points per drive up at the top uh that'll give you a ranking of uh where teams stand Oregon was the 46th best team in net points per drive this year uh they were worse than ASU uh, they were worse clearly than Utah. They were worse than UCLA. Um, now that might be a little aggressive, depending on your uh, your ability, your your desire to get into the advanced stats. But I think that is more of a true um, appraisal of where Oregon was as a team this year. Um, but um, the FEI ratings, that's also from Al. Uh, it's largely based on the points per drive, um, but that can be really good. Um, simple stuff like uh, College Football Reference. Uh, the the SRS ratings, I think, are. They're fine. They're pretty good. They give you kind of the same gist um, and you can find those at uh, 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 college football reference. It's uh, stats compendium, but there's a lot of different things if you look around um, and you can kind of if you look at enough different things, you can kind of get a consensus.
1: Yeah, I have a hard time finding some of that stuff sometimes. Like, you like the SP plus, like, there's not like a here's the SP plus section of ESPN. It's like you have to find Bill Connolly's. Oh, like yeah, article. no, no. The, the way they have
0: dealt with uh, Connolly since hiring him, I think they've done an absolute disservice to like college football because his, he was starting to get like a lot of attention when it was back at SP Nation. Um, and his P plus was starting to become more mainstream. And, ESPN has thrown it behind a paywall and made it not something you can find easily. You have to literally go and find the most recent article that he's written to find the SP+.
1: That's it, right? Like, that's what you have to it's do.
0: Really, it's really stupid. Uh, they've done a horrible job with him. I hope he gets out of that contract uh, sometime soon. I'm sure he's getting paid a bundle. But Do um, you
1: think hopefully. they're, like, shutting him down or something? Is that
0: essentially what they're doing? Or?
1: No, it's what they've been doing with him since they hired him.
0: Um, but it's really stupid. Uh, I've, I've hated the way they've used him because it's also putting all this stuff that was like, he was very good about like just providing all of it to everyone. Um, he had these great, if you were writing a preview um, about a team uh, in the off season, he would develop these like spreadsheets that gave you like his advanced projections of like literally the most minute details about these teams. And it would just, it was completely open source. It was just well, not open source, but completely free to everyone. Just this long spreadsheet of literally every single team in college football. Um, yeah. And, They've hidden all that stuff.
1: And then uh, you want to know about the Heisman uh, vote. So Bryce Young, I had as the winner. I put uh, Cody Pickett for the pit quarterback at number two. And like, I think I mentioned this on the show. I like to um, put the West Coast, you know, flair in there, which has been really hard to do. But I put Devin Lloyd in there. So beautiful. He, yeah. Give him a give uh, the Utah linebacker a little love. All right. Cool. This is from Sparky's roommate he says, Ryan and David, uh, this is the pack 12 days of Christmas, 12 days, of Christmas start on Christmas day, which means that this is the week of the 12 days of Christmas. And so, and this, so he said this in uh, a few days ago. And so I bring to you the final verse of the pack 12 days of Christmas. I expect David to sing this to the best Uh-oh. of my ability. Oh, you want to okay. sing? Okay. All
0: right. Uh, so I'm not going to sing the full song, obviously just the final verse. This is the final verse. Okay. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me twelve beavers damming, eleven cougars cooging, ten ducks a-quacking, nine trojans fighting, eight bruins clapping, seven utes a-running, six devils sunning, five golden bears, four bearing down, three huskies, two buffaloes, and something cardinal in a dumb tree. (laughs) <laughs> so we, we had too many syllables in the last line. That was the yeah. only note. The only note. The only note should have been and a cardinal in a dumb tree. Not oh, something. very good. That's what it yeah. needed to be.
1: Or you could do and something cardinal in a dumb tree. You could have sung it that way, too. Yeah, you could have, but it just it's not quite right. OK. Uh, but I thought that was a great effort by Sparky's roommate. It was good. It oh, was good. Um, it. Cougars couging, you know, beavers are damning. Cougars are couging. I loved it. Ducks are quacking. <laughs> they ate clapping. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I like it. I like it. All right. Um, Peter in Vancouver.
1: Oh, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, I think that we got one left.
0: Okay. Last one. Pac-12 yeah. Bowl. Gentlemen. Before the bowl season, I asked if it mattered how Pac-12 teams did in their bowl games. David didn't think the bowl record was important at all. Today, I read this in Yahoo Sports. But this stink will linger longer into the offseason. Pac-12 teams went 0-5 in bowl play in the latest national embarrassment for a conference accustomed to bringing up the rear for the Power Five. Obviously, the Pac-12's bowl record mattered to someone. I'll ask again in a different way. What record would the Pac-12 have needed so that they wouldn't have been written up as a national embarrassment?
1: Peter in Vancouver. Hey, Peter. Uh, I didn't know you. Yahoo Sports was uh, British, but apparently it is.
0: Whatever. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what it needed to be. Can I tell you? You ready for it? I, I have a guess. One and four.
1: Yeah. I was going to say.
0: <laughs> Literally, all they needed to do was have that Rose Bowl uh, game flip the other way.
1: Yeah. That's it. yeah, I think there's like the record doesn't matter that much. And then there's the, you didn't win one. Like that's, it matters to not win at all. It matters to go over, you know, um, you're, you're, you're playing a three game series and, uh, you go one for 11 at the plate. Like, all right, we got a hit, you know, one for 11 with a hit and a walk, maybe a sacrifice fly or something. Uh, you go over. You're over 13. Like that's a big difference. Um, you go over,
0: and and one of your teams did the worst job managing COVID possible by not communicating correctly.
1: Yes, uh, that's bad. I think there was a lot of talk about the SEC, who started like one in five. I think the SEC finished with a losing record, but they were in 13 of the games or whatever, and they obviously got two teams in the in the finals. Um, but you know. I think it mattered that the sec had a losing record just because there's known as the best conference. And you could look at the sec as being like more top heavy than anything else, which was just fine. And you know, if the pac 12 was two and three or three and two, I think five and O oh would have been like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. You know? And, but Oh, and five is also, Oh, that's interesting. Like you couldn't win a single game. That's right. Um, you know, that's bad. So, uh, some things don't matter that much, but it matters when you stink that badly that you haven't won a bowl game since after the the, the last bowl game that the Pac 12 won was the Rose Bowl. So very early in 2020, um January first. Uh so that's the last time the, the Pac 12 won a bowl game, and that's uh not good. Not good.
0: 20, not good. 2019
1: season. Yeah. Uh all right. Well, I think that's gonna wrap things up. That'll wrap it. Yeah. Uh, we'll try to get on a regular schedule, probably try to get some guests on. We'll see if David's going to be contributing to any of that. Um, but if you have any questions about the teams that you like, uh, that you want us to ask the different publishers that we will try to get on, we can certainly do that. There's been a lot of turnover roster wise, coaching wise. So we'll try to dig into all that and kind of get people up to speed. Who's going, who's staying, opting out transfers in, um, you know, following up with, we already did the recruited class stuff, but there's obviously a lot more that's been going on. We got the, uh, all star games going on now. I'm heading out to, to Hawaii, Dave, for the Polynesian Bowl. I guess it's a week and a half or so. That should be fun. When is that? Uh, the 17th, I believe. So like, yeah, 11 days for, we're, we're recording this on the 6th. So yeah, so it'll be Monday. I go out Monday and I think the game's on Saturday, but I'm going to leave Friday. So I'm just going there for the practices and stuff.
0: Cool. Very fun. You want to go
1: out there? You want to come? You want to join? Maybe. We'll
0: see.
1: We don't have as good of a time as we did in Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game. You would, yeah, you would love exactly. It. We'll have a great time. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> tons of fun. Um, it, it's funny. Uh, I forget, um, we got uh, a, a PM from one of our listeners from Utah. Uh, she's she's great. She's, uh, you know, uh, PM me a little bit when we you know, I was in Las Vegas and stuff and was asking about new year's eve and was like i assume everyone's gonna be hanging out in pasadena and i was like no like <laughs> you know like do you ever go to pasadena except for the ball game right or or no or god why game? would anybody drive all the way up there for anything other than the bowl game? right if you live in that area that's fine but it's funny like people don't understand like the you know where you live like you, you essentially stay in your bubble most of the time or maybe you're gonna go out to hollywood or something but if you live in like the South Bay, like where we are, like, you're not like, Hey, let's go to Pasadena tonight. Like, no, that just doesn't happen. But it's exactly. funny. Like people don't, don't get like, Oh, you're going to downtown LA, right? Like, no, no, we're not going there. i am going to Staples Center to go to a Laker game or something, but uh, I am not going to downtown LA for just about anything else. Absolutely. But, like if you're like, in Salt Lake city, like you probably go downtown somewhere, right? Or whatever. Um, but that, yeah, that LA is just a different beast. So it was kind of funny to see that. All right. Well, let's, uh, wrap it up. That is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast of champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. You know, maybe this uh, this is the new year. Maybe we'll see some bowl wins uh, this time around. But for David, I'm Ryan. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.